Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Good morning, everyone. I, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Charmaine, and I'm happy to bring your scripture reading today from Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. Israel, listen, our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. These words that I am commanding you today must always be on your mind. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about, when you are lying down and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gate. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Will you all pray with me? In the words of the ancient, surprising, conduit Moses who prayed these words before the people of Israel let this teaching drop like rain let this speech condense like dew like gentle rain on grass like flowers on new growth for I will proclaim the name of our Lord I pray like mirrored lakes we see through to your many truths God Come through in the faithful preparation and dedicated imagining. We pray this in the name of our Black Messiah, Jesus. Amen. So happy to be here with you all this morning. This sermon series has been right on time for me, let me say. Hearing last week about drowning out the noise and how Reverend Dr. Lisa Allen encouraged us to replace that with gratitude. She said, in the midst of all we have endured, 
we are here. We are still here. Life may not look like what we expected, but God has been faithful. And we can sing a song of gratitude. That encouragement held me last week, held me. I needed to begin this week so faithfully and so uplifted. And I knew even when Henra and I brainstormed this sermon series that I would preach this passage in Deuteronomy, one that my interfaith family says often in different ways. And then this week happened. This week, this cosmic train wreck, like a sick joke about justice. This week happened. News out of Kentucky and the grand jury hearing evidence about the murder of Breonna Taylor. Indicted just one police officer, one peace officer, and not for murder or even intent, but with endangerment, wanton endangerment. Y'all know this. A charge that prioritizes everyone else but this 26-year-old woman who is dead today. Uh, we, we know this. This charge is this perversion of justice that yet again prioritizes everyone, even buildings and walls over the life, the human life of Brianna. Again and again and again this week happened. And as we were reminded, many of us on social media this week, 65 years ago, September 23rd, a jury exonerated the murderers of 14-year-old Emmett Till. Again and again and again, Emmett's murder sparked outrage. We are in the middle of these uprisings all over the country. Anti-black violence cannot continue. The ways that the system has allowed and exonerated murderers shows the value of black people. And we are here to say in this space that that is not the way, that that is not justice, that that is sin again and again and again. And the world is outraged. We are outraged. I am outraged. We are traumatized again. We are experiencing this again and again. Maya Angelou talks about it. If we face our history, we might not have to live it again. I feel helpless to do anything about it. I had been able to engage some in some of the movement work and right now that has to go on hold we have to prioritize our families in this moment and we also have to prioritize our own health and serenity so this is an encouragement to do that yet an acknowledgement that that sometimes renders me feeling helpless i feel stuck i can't focus these are characteristics of trauma that I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling. And how do I cope? I cope 
by getting distracted. I cope by going into worlds that um, that are in my imagination. I cope by watching too much TV. I cope by playing this game over and over on my phone. These are distractions, coping mechanisms that don't work very well. And in my preparations for this sermon, I kept getting distracted. Ironic, right? A sermon about focusing, a scripture about focusing. And in reading these strategies on how to focus, I just made me want to be distracted even more. That's that part of me, right? That antisocial part of me. But each time I gave into a distraction, I tried to forgive myself. I tried to recenter. I came back to the text. The thing that I knew was that I was going to preach on this text. So I read it a lot. I was anything but focused. I was sidetracked. I got deviated. I chased every rabbit. I went down every path off the road towards sermonizing. But I kept coming back to the text. And I don't think I'm alone in this distraction. This is a trend. And many attribute this trend, this distractibility, this functioning of my daily life and maybe our daily life to the prevalence of networking technology, right? As society has become more connected more instantly, then we have been becoming and becoming more distracted, less able to concentrate. There are so many books about this exact topic. I did some research before I read one. There are titles like The Shallows, Distraction Addiction, The Tyranny of Email, and each take on these networking tools as distractions that degrade our focus. So, you know, now you don't have to read them. Um, Take, you know, be distracted. But one author, Nick Carr, who wrote The Shallows, also wrote an article And I think the title is right on point. It's called, Is Google Making Us Stupid? We don't use that word in my house, but I think what he means is the tendency, the human tendency is that we begin to take on the characteristics of these technologies, these intellectual technologies, and he says it's inevitable. So what can we do, right? We need to learn to cope. And I think this text can help us in that way, in the refocusing toward an orientation that aligns us with our priority, the priority of my life, right? So I decided to read Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, right? And to prepare, this book upholds all of those who practice and maintain this capacity to do deep work, to hold attention, to exert our maximum intellectual capacity. And he calls this necessary to get ahead in the intellectual economy. And that's not quite what I was going for, right? But I kept reading and, well, before I started reading, there was this totally ironic moment when popping up first on the screen of my search was an abridged version of this book, which would allow me to read it in just 20 minutes, which I thought was just totally ironic and exactly what I wanted to do. I literally had to talk myself out of not reading just the abridged version. But 
I think that's just so telling, right? I want it all and I just want to know it now. And if I know it just in this moment, in 20 minutes, I'm going to forget it tomorrow. I'm going to forget that. I'm not going to spend the work, the deep work that I need to do to really let this become a practice. So I think this is a worthy battle, obviously, to undertake one of being confused or being distracted, chasing a rabbit, as I like to say, and then coming back, right? Coming back to center. And it's so easy to get distracted, right? But I think this is why I was compelled by this text. The text assumes we're going to get distracted. That's why we have to write it everywhere. That's why we have to hold it close. That's why we have to continually rededicate ourselves. And this pericope, the beginning part, is sometimes called the Shema. And the end, which is the Shema is the Hebrew word for listen. And the latter part of the pericope is called the vehafta, and that's the word for love. So we've recited this a lot. I've heard it recited in, in different worship settings. Commentators agree that Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 is one of the central texts of contemporary Jew, Jew, Jewish practice, chanted or sung aloud as an affirmation of faith. This text is alive with tradition. And this tradition does not belong to Christians, right? This is why I give the specifics, not to say let's appropriate this Jewish practice, but instead to show the deep importance of these sacred lines. And I feel deeply that we can learn from it. The text brought me great comfort in this time of distraction. And what does this text really ask of us? I mean, it asks the impossible, right? No small feat. The text asks us to focus, to continue to focus. It's a text asking us for deep work, for concentration, sustained attention. The text asks us to do that. And within that, though, is this idea that we're going to not be able to. So we're going to have to write it here and here and here and here to keep it close to us. So like I mentioned, amid my background research distraction, um, I, I thought and I knew that I would preach this, this text three weeks ago. So amid my complete lack of focus, and books telling me to focus and that making me not want to focus even more, I did center down and focus on this scripture. And I buried myself in it. I kept coming back to it. And you know what? I forgave myself for those times that I forgot. I forgave myself for those times where I just found myself on Facebook, scrolling through and hearing more and more terrible news. So, I kind of was looking as I was reading, though, I kept looking for these, for the exegetical hook, something that was going to be the timely interpretation for this time, for this time, for COVID-19, for 2020, the year that would never end, right? And I kept reading it. I did notice it says, recite these to your children when you are at home. 
And many of us are spending, those of us who are lucky enough to have homes are spending a lot of time at home. So I thought that was important. But, but mainly what I thought about was that there is no hook to this text. There is no secret that I could unlock per se. That's the miracle of scripture is that always happens. So why wasn't that happening more and more for this text? And and it dawned on me that this is a scripture. This is a this is a practice. So the practice that was dawning on me as I was seeking was what I needed to know. I began to realize the experience is the opening up of the text. And so I hope you guys saw on social media, we're going to be doing a practice today that is called Lectio Divina. And it's a slowing down again of our minds. It's a moving ourselves from an intellectual space to an experience oriented space. It's a close reading of the text, right? And we're going to do this practice credited to St. Gregory of, Nys of Nyssa, right? We're going to read this scripture four times slowly. It's not that long, four times slowly. And each time we'll have a focus, right? We're going to listen in the first reading for something that jumps out at us. Don't force it. You know, you might not have a revelation. <laughs> I did not have a revelation. This was just an experience. So don't judge yourself in this. The second reading, maybe a phrase did pop out at you, or maybe it does in this second reading. Try not to analyze it, um, but just try to focus on that, right? And forgive yourself when you fail. I fail all the time, right? And in the third reading, if you have your journal, write down some of your observations. These type of insights, again, they come quickly and they can leave us quickly just like dreams so write it down grab a piece of paper um, as i prepare to begin our reading you have time there is time in this reading right we're taking our time and in this final reading the fourth reading we're just going to listen and rejoice right and and maybe write about the experience afterward here again these words and this translation is the NRSV. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise up bind them as a sign on your hand fix them as an emblem on your forehead write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates take a couple of breaths Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding to you today in your heart. Recite them to your children 
and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deep breath. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home. And when you are away, when you lie down, and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Final reading. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. French mystic and philosopher and activist in the Résistance in France, Simone Weil, writes about concentration and the gift of attention. She said, prayer consists of attention. Prayer is the orientation of all the attention of which the soul is capable toward God. Concentration and focus she argues, is what we need to heal each other. To give your attention to another is the greatest gift we can give. They said, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. And prayer is a type of listening to God. And in listening to God, our priorities become clear. We need to reclaim our purpose. One thing, one thing. Again, there is merit in the battle, right? To reclaim this attention, right? This capitalist system wants to keep us distracted. Nicholas Carr writes in his book, The Shallows, that the faster we surf, the more we click, the more opportunities Google and companies that collect information have to advertise to us. These, it's in their economic interest to keep us distracted. So if the system wants us distracted, what would happen if we focused? What would happen if we focused our attention not on each other, not just on the news about each other, but on each other? Maybe we could heal each other. With dis when I'm distracted, 
I feel like I lose touch with the needs, my needs, much less your needs, distracted and screen fatigued. I sit with a headache, oftentimes just pushing buttons. I want to reclaim my own focus. And I think Deuteronomy 6 has the wisdom to teach me. Focus helps me identify the most important thing. Focus helps me prioritize. Focus wins me back my time because I'm not wandering in the internet shallows. I can spend that time thinking about you. I can spend that time thinking about particularly the black women in my life who are hurting so bad right now, who need someone to just say, how are you? Are you okay? What can I do? I turn to my friend and Bishop Tricia Hersey, the Knapp Bishop, who in her interview with The Atlantic said part of the, this resistance is also reclaiming your imagination, reclaiming hope, reclaiming your intuition of knowing what's right and knowing there's always time for you to reclaim your body as yours. We can reclaim our focus. We can reclaim our imaginations. We can remember God. And we can remember that the love of God is the love of neighbor. And the dignity of concentration that we can offer each other is wisdom. Maya Angelou, we heard the word, says, lift up your hearts. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. Do not be wedded forever to fear yoked eternally the horizon leans forward offering you space to place new steps of change and i would say to continue to refocus our resistance is to continue to claim our focus this is the call of our sacred scripture this is how we will change the world we can bend the arc toward justice we can focus our whole will and mind towards god and god's justice and howard thurman says that when we set our whole intention toward something anything that it will come to pass just imagine what we can do if we focus. This is the power of our minds and the power to drown out the noise. We will find our focus and move forward this week, today. I pray that we all find ourselves there and may God make it so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.